Great future ahead of them. Our first scripture reading this morning is from the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Listen to God's word. There is an evil that I've seen under the sun, and it lies heavy upon humankind. Those to whom God gives wealth, possessions, and honor so that they lack nothing of all they desire. Yet God does not enable them to enjoy these things, but a stranger enjoys them. This is vanity. It is a grievous ill. A man may beget a hundred children and live many years. But however many are the days of his years, if he does not enjoy life's good things, or has no burial, I say, that a stillborn child is better off than he. Our second reading is from the book of Proverbs, chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. Listen again to God's word. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her animals. She has also mixed her wine. She has set her table. She sent out her servant girls. And she calls from the highest places in the town. You that are simple, turn here. To those without any sense, who jog on the wrong side of the road, and we're earbuds. <laughs> to those without any sense, she says, come, eat my bread and drink the wine I mix. Lay aside immaturity and live and walk in the way of insight. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Some of you won't remember this, and I'm real sorry you didn't miss part of the fun of this sermon. But some of you will remember. When I was a little kid, I wanted to go to Green Acres and live there. You remember them? Okay, good. Some of you are going to be with this. I liked it because everybody in Hooterville and surrounding areas was a total space cadet. Nothing they did made any sense at all. It was all stupid. But what was funniest of all was this one guy, Mr. Douglas, who got dropped into the midst of this, who is sane, who is smart, common sense. And he turns out to be the crazy one because he's not crazy like everyone else. And they all thought he was really weird. But you had Fred and Ethel Ziffel, who had the, the, son, the son who was Arnold the pig. Remember Arnold? Yeah. And Hank Kimball, the guy who could never quite say what was on his mind. You know, Mr. Douglas, there's about eight people, well, not eight people. Eight people. There's about ten. Well, not really ten. I can't really tell you how many people there are, but I love that guy. I just love to hear him go on and on and on. They had the chicken, uh, Henrietta, that laid square eggs. Who, who knew? It was the most abnormal place in the world, and 
I always enjoyed going there with them because everything was so strange. And it was fun. I also want to live with the Adams family, so draw your own, draw your own conclusion. But for us, normal has kind of its own meaning. We tend to think that when it's normal, everything is going our way. Everything is just the way it should be. Every do everyone does just what they should, meaning everyone does exactly what I think they should do. That's perfect. That's a perfect world, and perfect is abnormal. Anybody here perfect? I'm not raising my hand, I'm just inviting you to raise yours. Perfect is abnormal. I'm real sorry. You look at the, the celebrities who are so beautiful and so handsome. Guess why? They're freaks. Did you ever stop and think about that? They're the weirdos. They're the only people in the world who can wear very skimpy clothes and look good. Most of us should wear a poncho at all times. Perfect just isn't normal. I'm sorry. Now, there's a problem that the writer of Ecclesiastes is telling us about this morning. His grammar's a little off. But we can change one word and get this to make a little more sense. And yet, he complains that the days of his years will come to pass. What does he mean? He's afraid that he'll get to the end of his life and it will have meant nothing. And guess what? According to the writer of Ecclesiastes, he's right. That's exactly what's going to happen to him. He has all this wealth. He has a hundred children. And remember, children meant wealth. We have a guest. Somebody. We have a guest. And I was saying, somebody goes in. Children added up to not only wealth, but a long life. Because it was very important that a man's name live on after him. And children, mostly male children, were the way to accomplish that. So that his, his name never passed away from the earth. It was always there. And he has all of this, but complains about all those days that are still ahead. It's so terrible. I don't know if I have everything I could possibly want. I don't know how this could get any worse. He worries about being properly buried. The writer has said already, Look, dude, it would be better if you had been born dead because you're dead already. There's nothing going on in you. You're no better than this stillborn child. But this guy is living something that we all can feel and we can all relate to sometimes. It's part of our human condition. We long for things we don't have. We want life to be something it isn't. 
Life, we'll just sum this whole thing up and stop here. Life is not normal. I'm sorry. I wish I could tell you there's a happily ever after and they all lived happily ever after. I have never told my children or anyone else's children a story that ends with that lie. Because it teaches them that someday there's this special place and you'll skip over the hurdle and everything will be wonderful. Yay! Wrong. How long is it till Christmas? Five months. I, did some of you out I just heard you go. <laughs> For many people, Christmas is a sad time. It's kind of depressing. But really, I think the reason is because Christmas is never perfect. It's never anything like Miracle on 34th Street. It's not like the one that shall be nameless because I'm so tired of it being on television. You know, the one where the angel gets his wings? That thing? It never works out like that. You can't go two hours and everything's perfect again. Yay! Life is still life. But Christmas can be depressing because it's never quite what we have built our expectations to be. Or, better yet, what we've been told our expectations ought to be, mostly by Hollywood. But if you're waiting for the, the, that moment when everything becomes perfect, like this man in Ecclesiastes, if we do that, we're missing the life that's right in front of us. We're missing the good things that we already have, longing for something that's impossible. Like I said, I can't believe I have everything I ever wanted. Could life get any worse? <laughs> All he really needs is a little bit of wisdom's wine. All he needs is to taste wisdom's bread. Think about this. Let's measure your wealth and mine. Are the people we gather with healthy and happy? Are your kids healthy and happy? Your grandkids, your brothers and sisters, your grandparents, think about that for a moment. Are they healthy and happy? Then thank God and count your blessings. That's wonderful. Do you and does everybody you know get enough to eat every day? Then thank God and count your blessings. I'm sure some of the people in the New Testament, when they got together with Jesus, probably thought, oh, not fish and bread again. <laughs> Those were staples of their diets, and they probably got a little tired of it, but guess what? They still got fed. They should count their blessings and give thanks. Do you get exactly what you want every time? In any situation, I'm not being specific. No, we don't get exactly what we want every time, but we have to remember that sometimes exactly what we want is not good for us. When you don't get exactly what you want, thank God and count your blessings. 
Sometimes it's a good thing. Everybody get here or wherever they're going and get home safely. Have you done that before? Not got hurt, not got exploded or flooded or run over. Then thank God and count your blessings. George Burns once said, if I wake up in the morning and I don't smell flowers and see candles, I get up. <laughs> That's what you call counting your blessings. I'm here. I get to live one more day, and that's nice. But wisdom knows there is no happily ever after. There is life, and life is not perfect. But life is good. Life is very good. Let's go back to the guy in Ecclesiastes. Let's think about him for a minute. What if he was grateful? for all the things he had, for all the blessings that he was enjoying. What if you've been grateful for that? Think about this. Is it any harder to be grateful when, yeah, the guy has a lot of money, but do you think it just flowed into him? No. He probably made investments. Some of them paid off. Some of them lost money. But the ones that paid off, paid off. Yay! He probably made loans to some people because they weren't quite the kind of banking that we think of now. But he probably loaned people money and some of that money came back and some of it he lost. Dadgum, that sounds like life, doesn't it? Whether the economy was going up or down, he had to watch all the trends and adjust to the markets and what they were doing. He had to work. But look at all it got. He probably had a lot of land, but that meant inspecting the land, hiring people to work the land. It also meant he probably had employee problems from time to time. He had to be his own personnel director. Yay. There were no banks to keep his property safe. There were no guarantees. He had to hire people to protect what he had. To stand guard over his fields every night so that he wouldn't have to worry about it being gone in the morning. And here's the worst part for me. He had to do his own accounting. My vision of accounting is to look at the total at the end of my bank statement. And if it says I have uh, more money than I think I have, I'm in good shape. I'm running a profit. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm lost. So here's an important rule for young people. Spend less than you make. <laughs> Smart. My great-grandmother taught me that. This guy also has this huge family, and that's a blessing, but stop and think about it. Do you suppose any of them were rivals with each other? Do you suppose any of them ever brought their problems to him? 
Let's leave out the fact that he had 100 children, please. And let's just say 20. But think about that. Think what comes with it. Statistically, he would have 10 daughters, which means he would have 10 weddings to pay for and 10 dowries to put up so that somebody would marry his daughters. That's going to cost a fortune. He has to sort out all the suitors who come to marry his daughters, and there will be a lot because his daughters are from a wealthy family. And even though they're not going to get any of the wealth, he can move in with their family and enjoy the wealth. <laughs> and among his ten sons, only one of them is going to inherit any of this wonderful stuff. It ain't going to happen for the rest. And all these people, think about this. All these people, including servants, live in the same house. I can barely live in my house with my dog. I, I have never understood people with big families and they all get together at somebody's house. I would want to pull my hair out. And then think about this. He's going to have a long life, a nice long life. Well, what about the health problems that come with age? Think he's not going to have those? Think it's not going to get harder for him to keep up with all of his business? Do you think he's ever going to get to retire? There was no concept of retirement at the time. You worked until you died. Yay. What a life. He had to deal with change. If he's going to live a long time, remembering at this point in history, people probably lived about 35 to 40 years. That was it. But he lives a long time. He's going to outlive all his friends, most of his family. He's going to outlive all these people. What about his religious obligations? You know, he does have to pay a temple tax. Hang on, I lost my place. There it is. He has to make his pilgrimages, pilgrimages to Jerusalem. How do you make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem? You walk. And it's uphill, no matter where you're coming from. Do you want his life If he really has it the way scripture says, sure. If he really has it the way life actually is, not particularly. It's awfully complicated. And simplicity is a lot easier to deal with. But I do wonder what it must be like to have all that. And I can't understand why this guy was griping about it. He can't see all this good stuff and enjoy it. He's responsible for a ton of people. He's responsible to a ton of people. People are coming to him with their problems and asking him questions and trying to get him to help them make decisions. And he's got a house to maintain, conflicts among his family and his business associates. He's got all this land he has to watch over because somebody might come and steal it. Wow, what a life. 
He has this enormous family to manage, this far-flung and diverse set of issues. And those of you who have even one member of your family other than yourself know that in itself is complicated. Anybody here been married more than, oh, say, a year? <laughs> as good as it is, it's still hard. You're still living life. And that's okay. Life is still good. But this guy has to be a dad. He has to be a coach, a husband. He has to put on band-aids. He's got time to time. He's got to be a butt kicker. He's got to hold hands with people to make them feel better. Sometimes he's got to be a punching bag. He has to be a director of operations and a teacher of all things. And I'll bet most of the days of his life it was like us. It was like he died and went to Green Acres. Which to me would not be much of a curse. But it's a crazy place. And if you are normal, whatever that means, you're outside the norm, so it doesn't help you at all. But if he was a wise man and if he had accepted wisdom's invitation, he would have enjoyed all that he had. He would have still had the same problems and he would have known that in his life, it's probably not going to get better. Or he can look at it and say, this is wonderful. Look at what I have. With blessings, it doesn't matter what it is, there come challenges because happily ever after was a lie. If you tell your kids that, stop it. And remember the writer of Ecclesiastes also wrote, to everything there is a season and a time to every person, as the song goes. You want peace? Seriously? <laughs> Nobody's going to answer. No, we don't want peace, Tony. Oh, shut up. Okay. Do you want peace in your life? You better. God, if you don't, we really need to visit. <laughs> then prepare as best you can for the good times and the hard times. Do the best you can. And remember that good times and hard times, neither one of them last forever. Be ready. Our brothers and sisters who worked in the oil fields never seem to learn that lesson. When you're making $1,100 a week, save some of it. You know, that $20,000, $50,000 pickup truck is no good when you got no place to live. And they're very hard to sweep in. We have to deal with all those hard times and problems. And we have to call in reinforcements sometimes. You ever do that? Ask the people around you for some help and some support. No, because we're too big and too tough for that. Shut up. Everybody needs help. We all stand on the shoulders of the people who came before us. We did not make ourselves, right? 
I know you've worked hard for what you have, but you started somewhere. And take all the good times and appreciate them and share them with each other. Life is beautiful in spite of it all. And thank God for all of it. And if you ever feel like maybe it's not quite all it should be, just remember, even sunshine burns if you get too much. Amen. Come, let's stand and say who we are and to whom we belong. The one sufficient revelation of God is Jesus Christ, the Word of God incarnate, to whom the Holy Spirit bears unique and authoritative witness through the Holy Scriptures, which are received and obeyed as the Word of God written. The Scriptures are not a witness among others, but the witness without parallel. The Church has received the books of the Old and New Testaments as prophetic and apostolic testimony in which it hears the Word of God and by which its faith and obedience are nourished and regulated. Please be seated. My brothers and sisters, God is good to us, regardless of what we think we lack. There's no one here who doesn't have what they need. So let us return to, portion, to God a portion of his generosity through our tithes and our offerings. Amen. 